It's time for Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Post Game Live is brought to you by Quick Quack Car Wash. Fast, clean, loved, everywhere. Also by Provo Land Title. Buying, selling, or refinancing? Close with the pros at Provo Land Title. Relax. PLT has you covered. And by First Colony Mortgage, your trusted lender for all your mortgage needs. Visit firstcolonymortgage.com. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Another game, another blowout victory for the BYU football team. 45-14, the Cougars defeating Louisiana Tech. BYU now 3-0 on the season. And remember, when the Cougars win, you win with Papa John's Pizza. Use the online promo code BYU50, that's BYU50, at papajohns.com tomorrow and receive 50% off pizza. This offer is good at any Utah location tomorrow only. A couple of things to get to. We'll let you hear from the players and coaches in their post-game Zoom press conferences. As always, should be expecting to hear from the head coach, Kalani Satake, first. Uh, before we get to do that, though, uh, there are a couple of things that I wanted to hit on. First and foremost, the story by far in this game, once again, is Zach Wilson. Greg and Riley were talking about it. They were talking about it throughout the entire game 24 of 26 it's not just the numbers 325 yards two touchdowns through the air he ran for three it's not just the yards it's the efficiency a quarterback rating of 222.7 but to only have two incompletions once again it's just insane the numbers that he's putting up right now and the efficiency he came in with a pass efficiency of or a pass completion percentage of 80% and he increased that with his performance tonight he was absolutely fantastic the other thing that i wanted to talk about was what the defense did the defense regrouped after that first quarter i think we all were just a little shocked to see louisiana tech after byu had taken a seven nothing lead louisiana tech able to move the ball down the field and score in the first quarter and we're all like wait a minute we haven't seen that this entire season so far and at that point the defense had given up some 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 plays some missed tackles that ultimately led to that touchdown. But what I what I want to show you, well, I guess I can't show you since we're on the radio. What I want to tell you about is going to go over these numbers by quarters. The first quarter, just looking at the first quarter only, very even. The score was seven to seven. Total yards one twenty five for BYU, one ten for Louisiana Tech. But then you get into the second quarter. This is where BYU took over and flexed its muscles. Total yards in just the second quarter only. 181 total yards for BYU to 54 for Louisiana Tech. It was in that second quarter where BYU took complete control of this game and never looked back. The passing yards alone were 140 to 40. Okay, so that's the second quarter. BYU goes in with a large lead. They have a three-touchdown lead at the half. In just the third quarter only, another dominating quarter for BYU. 174 for BYU to 33 total yards for Louisiana Tech. The second and third quarters were BYU saying, okay, we're going to wear you down, we're going to flex our muscles, and we're going to do what we do 
and that was dominate both lines of scrimmage, and that's exactly what they did. BYU getting the 45-14 to victory. They are now 3-0 back in action next Saturday afternoon, 1.30 kickoff from Lavelle Edwards Stadium, hosting University of Texas San Antonio. The UTSA Roadrunners will be in Provo. All right, BYU was the only game tonight, but uh, lots of action tomorrow. Quick look ahead to tomorrow's games. We'll just focus on the uh, games in top 25. Number three, Florida hosting South Carolina. Number nine, Texas at home taking on the Horn Frogs of TCU. Missouri coming off the loss to Alabama will be at number 21, Tennessee. Number 24, Pitt will be hosting NC State, number 13, Texas A&M, at number 2, Alabama. That'll be a good one. Two teams in the top 15. Number 12, North Carolina, at Boston College. South Florida, at number 15, Cincinnati. The Kansas Jayhawks, 0-2, hosting the 2-0 and 17th-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Number 25, Memphis, at SMU. A really good one. Two teams in the top 10. Number 4, Georgia, hosting number 7, Auburn. Number 11, Central Florida will be hosting Tulsa, Arkansas at number 16, Mississippi State. Number 18, Oklahoma traveling north to take on Iowa State. 20th ranked LSU on the road at Vanderbilt. You would certainly expect LSU looking to bounce back big time after losing in their first game of the season. And then the late game, which actually, ironically, the latest game in the top 25 is just 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Number one, Clemson hosting Virginia. All right, coming up on the other side, if Kalani Satake is speaking via post-game Zoom, we'll let you hear it on, on that. Uh, otherwise, Tom Holmo uh, commented on BYU adding a couple of games to its schedule over the last 24 hours. They added San Diego State and Boise State. We will let you hear from BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo coming up on the other side. BYU gets the win. They improved to 3-0 on the season. 45-14 is your final score. We'll have more Cougar Post Game Live coming up after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. BYU now 3-0 on the season. 45-14 winners tonight at Lavelle Edwards Stadium over the Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech. Still waiting to hear from head coach Kalani Satake. In the meantime, over the last 24 hours, BYU adding a couple of games to the current 2020 schedule. Both games, ironically, were actually on the schedule earlier. Actually, before we get to that, it looks like the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake, is sitting down. Let's listen in and hear from the coach. Ask you questions. Of course. Yeah, just uh, happy with the win, you know, and uh, I think uh, – Lottech's a good team, and uh, you know that that team had a lot of returning guys from last year that that won ten games and did some good things. But uh, I think um, you know things are really starting to click for us as a team. Obviously, there's a lot of things that we can work on and get better. But um, pleased with the effort from our boys, and pleased with the, the victory. I don't think you can uh, take wins for granted, you know. So um, I'm just glad that the guys controlled the game and were able to you know get the victory and and. and and we were able to get some valuable reps for our, um, you know, our, our um, depth. I think it was important that they get those valuable reps. I mean, obviously, we didn't get a, a stop on that one in the red zone that would like to see our guys get out of it. But I was really pleased with those guys coming out and the, 
in the next drive and getting a turnover. So um, those things will, will matter uh, for us uh, later down the line. And taking advantage of those reps is really important for our, our uh, staff and our our players. So uh, happy for the win. Things we got to work on and improve on. And there's we faced some adversity early, and and uh, wish our you know want our game to play more more clean and and um, mistake free. I feel like we gave up gave up some big plays because uh, lack of. Um, of discipline and uh that happens from time to time but you have to give credit to louisiana tech they did some things that that test us a little bit on on with our offense and defense and so things got a little slow for us you have to give them a, little, a lot of credit i don't think it, you can sit there and say well we didn't do these things right it, it was a, a collective thing where where louisiana tech was able to put us in some um difficult position and and uh, we were able to fight through the adversity and get the win. So happy for the result, but a lot of a lot of teaching things for our coaches and our players to learn from and looking forward to learning and improving to next week. Hey, thank you. We'll take a question from Jared Lloyd, Mitch Harper, and then Josh Newman. Nice game, Kalani. I wanted to ask about that second quarter. You go into the second quarter, tied 7-7. I think you were punting the ball, if I remember right. And then the boys just responded on both sides. Talk about seeing them kind of respond to a little bit of adversity, which you guys hadn't seen a ton of yet this year. Well, I think, you know, you have to credit the guys that keep playing and they they get through these – some moments where things are a little bit tight. And things went really well for us the first two games. And this one, I I think um, (laughs) – You know, we're going against another team. It's not like we we get to do whatever we want. We we have a a team in Louisiana Tech that's that's got a lot of experience, and and they have, uh, you know, they have great coaches on their side that that get their guys ready. So I think um, they did some things that 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 uh, put us, you know, in in a uncomfortable position. But we we responded well, and uh, obviously you'd like to respond quicker and have everything go cleanly for us. But I don't think you go into this game thinking that you're just gonna demolish everybody that's out there. You 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 hope that it happens, but you know that you're going against eleven guys and, and well-coached team on the other side. And so uh, I'm just glad the guys were able to stick with the game plan. And, and eventually, as we start working through it, we were able to establish our identity and, and establish the run game and the pass game. And then on defense, we were able to limit their big plays, which allowed us to, to get the ball back to our offense and let Zach and the boys do the rest and put points up on the scoreboard. Lonnie, a new face along the offensive line tonight with James out. Uh, Joe Tukoff, who steps in at center, how does it, how satisfying is it just to, to get this dominant win when you have some new faces along that, that offensive front? I'm so happy for Joe. Um, you know, he, we knew that uh, it would be a game-time decision for James. And uh, James is a tough kid. You know, he had that injury early in the game last week. And I think he, he really wanted to play. But we felt really good about Joe's preparation throughout the week. And he was able to step up. Man, he, he played a great game. And so really proud of him. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, he, that guy was a tight end, you know, and and able to get some good snaps and and, and play some solid ball up front and and be able to lead the O line. I, I thought I was really pr- proud of his performance and credit to Coach Mateos and Coach Grimes getting that O line ready and a huge credit to the rest of the guys that that um, you know made it easy for him. I mean, it helps out having that much experience around him. But you know, we're hoping to to get James back as soon as possible. But it, it's nice that when we go to our depth in, in a lot of different positions, we have quality guys that can step in there and take over and then really um, go without missing a beat. I don't think uh, you, you saw a huge from it wasn't a huge drop off from James to, to Joe. And that's huge credit for Joe being ready. <clears throat> hey, Kalani, um, you know, you've seen what you guys have done 
over three games, you guys have been pretty dominant. Is it tough to not look ahead and maybe think about what this team and what this season could be down the road if you guys keep winning? All we're focused on right now is learning from this game. And and I'm going to give you the coach's talk because it's really important for our guys and, and for this generation to understand that we cannot look past anything except for the game that's coming up next and learning from the mistakes that we made here and then praise them for the things that they did well. So we would like to do be consistent with the things that we're doing well. We'd like to improve on some of the things that we made mistakes on, but uh, also understanding that that uh, Louisiana Tech made some plays uh, and and you know looked looked good at moments for and we were able to. I thought we were able to make them a little bit more one one dimensional on offense and and uh, defensive. Well, our offense was able to take advantage of some plays on and some chunk yardage on 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 their defense and. Um, just really happy with the whole, the whole overall performance of our team in all three phases. But we're going to keep these guys humble and hungry. That's the key. They, they need to keep working for this next week. And we still have a lot to prove. There's a lot more football to be played and a lot more room for improvement between now and next week's game. And we have to get see those uh, some, a lot of things improve quickly. And so that's what we're going to focus on. We're not looking past anything, especially this year. You know, you just never know what's going to happen with football. So focus on, on the next opponent and learn from this game. <clears throat> hey, we'll take a question from Norma Gonzalez and Jay Drew and then uh, Jared Lloyd. Hey, Coach. So if anyone had sort of been missing on Zach Wilson, he's definitely on everyone's radar now. What do you have to say about his performance tonight, just shooting 24 of 26 and just being super dominant? You ran the ball well, too. By the way, I like your mask, Norma. That's, thank you, that's thank you. made me smile. <laughs> um, no, the uh, you know I, we've been really we've been really excited to get Zach going, and when things are clicking, we've seen him do it in spurts, and 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 I think part of it was a little bit of him growth, just to progress as he started learning as a true freshman to a true sophomore to now in his third year, overcoming some injuries. We just know that when you have a guy with a great work ethic and um, and 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 he's willing to sacrifice a lot to for his teammates. Um, you know, it becomes a, a natural thing for everybody to want to follow him. And eventually with his work ethic and, and his dedication to this game, it's going to pay off. And so, um, yeah, I'm glad that, that we were able to give him some time. I'm glad that our coaches worked a great scheme. I, I love what Coach Grimes and his staff is doing on the offensive side of the ball, utilizing all the different personnel. We saw a lot of guys grow up in this game and make some big-time plays, um, not just with the ball in their hands. We saw some great blocking, great fundamental football, and, and that's a huge part of it is, is being able to, to have a quarterback that leads the way with his work ethic everybody else is going to follow. Really happy with what Zach did, though. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all. Just following up on that, Kalani, Zach's receivers made and tight ends made some really phenomenal catches. Do you think that was kind of contagious once uh, one great catch was made? Yeah, and you know, Jay, they've been doing that in practice. I mean, we've seen it over and over and over again, and just giving them those opportunities to make those plays. You know, and I think um, uh, we have we have a, a deep team that that a lot of guys can make plays. And what I like about it is a lot of guys make blocks downfield and, and do the little things right, and then they believe in, in each other. So as, as we keep working as a team, and you know, it, it's it's not just one person making the catch or making the touchdown. It's it's all the little things that we see, the details of the of everyone's assignment out there. Everyone doing their one eleventh allows this team to to you know make plays and 
all that does is confirm what they're doing. Like everyone does, does their one, the one eleventh, and it all works out. <clears throat> and so if we can keep doing that and keep trusting each other, keep trusting the coaches, I think that we can continue to find more consistency and, and find ways to keep putting points on the board and, and getting more momentum on, on, on our team. I mean, I, I like the way everyone responded to what was going on on the field, um, defense, offense, and special teams. And, and, Saw a lot of guys grow up. I was so proud of so many players in this game and really looking forward to praising those guys, but then also um, teaching them so we can get better. Lonnie, I know you have great relationships with a lot of players, but and Troy Warner's been around the program for a long time. What did it mean for you and even for the whole team to see him get that pick and finally be able to, to get a takeaway? Yeah, I mean, the first one was taken away because of the offsides penalty, and I'm really disappointed in some of the, the, the lack of discipline that we had. We had a little bit, a few hiccups along the way. You know, we had some penalty. I don't know exactly what the penalty number was, but uh, we're a lot better than that. And 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 what was really bad about it is that we took away a turnover from him. So being able to get it back again was good. And it came at the right time for us. We needed, we needed a spark. And, you know, we just knew that um, sometimes those DBs, they don't get tested and – and no one remembers them. I mean, some of the things that Chris Wilcox does as a, as a corner, and no, you, you, when it's quiet, that, that that means the DB did his job, you know. And that's been happening a little bit for Troy and some of the others in Zane. But um, I just like the fact that they were able to make plays. After giving up a big run, a big um, – I think it was a screen, you know, and, and Harris, that receiver, he can make people miss, man. And, 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 and he made us look foolish on that play, you know. And, and he did it on some of his returns too. So he's he's – He's lightning on the field, and, and we, we need to be more fundamental with our angles and our tackling. But, man, I just <clears> – <throat> overall, I just – I'm so happy for Troy and the things that he was able to do. You know, I, I've been – he's been around here every every day that I've been at a head, head coach, he's been with me as a player. So he came here mid-year as a – you know, as a freshman, true freshman, and was with his brother. And, and man, he, he did a lot of things for us as a true freshman, started for us at corner, played a lot of different positions. The one thing that he's always been able to do, even as a true freshman, is be a great leader for our team. And um, I think it helps having a, a brother like Fred that, that is a great leader also. But I think he, it was easy for him to transition into that, that, that role and just been so proud of him, man. I, he's doing so many things for us. He just, the stuff you see on the field is just only part of what he – the value that he brings to us is so much more than that. And the leadership and the, just the small things that nobody sees off the field – this has been huge for our program. And for me as a head coach, um, I'm in his debt for the things that he's willing to do for our players. And you see these these freshmen and sophomores and young guys on the defensive backfield grow up. A lot of it has to do with his leadership. And so really, really thankful that he's on our team and the things that he's doing for us as a leader has been amazing. <clears throat> Mitch, do you have another question for Coach? Yeah, Kalani, a three-sack night for Tyler Batty, a, a true freshman. Are we looking at one of the next best or great pass rushers for BYU? Yes, he's going to be really good. That's what we – you know, the hardest part about Tyler Batty is that I had to wait for his mission to be complete. And so really excited to get him back here, and, and he's got a lot of football ahead of him. Tough kid, raised really tough, just loves playing football and has energy. And so I think uh, you have to credit the D-line for all their hard work. I mean, we did a lot of a lot of three-man rush, you know, because we can, you know, and, and, and we, we, we we made some things difficult for, for LaTeX. That's an explosive offense. They got some yards, but I, I thought the 
a lot of the bulk of their yards on those two drives were the key for our guys. And we had some backups in there. They had to learn how to, how to get off out of drives and, and learn some valuable lessons in, 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 in the game, you know? And, and so, but Batty has been the guy that's been strong and been ready to roll from the very beginning. Really excited about him and really excited about a lot of things I've seen from the defensive front with Kyrus Bracken, you know, Zach. I mean, we've got a lot of guys I feel that can play Lorenzo, you know, seen some, some things that Caden Hawes is doing too. And then we have Earl Mariner. So we have a good group of guys that saw Saletti do some things and we're able to see Peyton and, and, and um, Max Tooley do some things as, in the hybrid role. So uh, a lot of that is because the, the leadership we're seeing from the D, D line and give credit to coach Tuyaki. He knows what he's doing with the D line. And that's a hard thing to do to create pressure with a three man rush. And we were able to do, get it done. And Batty, I mean, he had three sacks himself. Wow, what a selfish kid! I love it. So, as long as he keeps doing that, we're going to be fine. But that that the, the sacks belong to the D line, and I, I love the fact that he's out there to, to maximize his potential and make some big plays. We knew we were getting something special with him when we recruited him. You mentioned earlier that the team's starting to click. Uh, what, what's the biggest cause of this team kind of falling in line and starting to click, in your opinion? Just all the guys, man. It's just, it's just. Letting the players just run the show, it's been really fun. And as a, as a, for me as a head coach, to be the guide on the side. And, um, you know, it's, it's so thankful. I'm so thankful that before I could say anything, the players are already saying it. And, and, and you know, the leaders are already taking over practice before I say something that cor- to correct someone. It's already been handled. The players are already on top of it. And uh, these guys are working really well together. You know, we just got to keep this thing rolling and, Man, I just I'm really excited. Looking forward to to the next game and want to get to the film. But I mean, I just when we see a lot of these guys growing up and 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 take control of this program is going to be a beautiful thing. Hey, coach, I think that's all we'll take for now. Okay, that was the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake, after their 45-14 win over Louisiana Tech. We'll take a break, come back, and wrap things up, maybe even hear from a BYU player on the other side. Again, your final, 45-14. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU gets the win, 45-14. Gunnar Romney, another big night for him. He is addressing the media via Zoom. Let's listen in. Receivers that, that allows you to do that, so it's really fun playing like that. Hey, Gunnar, you guys have been pretty dominant in all three of these games. Is it, is it difficult right now to, to not look ahead on the schedule and, and not imagine where you guys might be, say, in three or four weeks if you do keep winning like this? Um, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit hard, but at the same time, we always talk about it's our schedule after these games is zero and zero. And we, we go into the next game, uh, with the same energy that we would prepare for the first game. And so you, you just, you kind of, you don't let the, you don't get a big head from the other games. You kind of have to just take, take it week by week and, and, you know, give, give your all to each opponent. Okay. We'll take a question from Norma, Jay, and then Brandon. 
Um, yeah, Gunnar, sorry, I just lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, but can you sort of talk on the offensive line and their performance tonight? There was a change up at center and just sort of what you saw from them and if there was anything different from the previous two games. Yeah, you know, our, our center, James MP was out uh, tonight, but Joe Tukuwafu stepped up and he did an unreal job. You know, playing playing center on this team is probably one of the hardest positions to play just because Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos, uh, they, they give so much responsibility and they have so much confidence in the line. They're, they're making calls down there that nobody hears and they're, they're making checks and stuff that, that nobody hears and nobody sees on TV. But, you know, when, when you're in, in the film room with them, you see how much work they put in. You see how much film study they do to be able to go out and perform. And they did an unreal job. You know, we started a little bit slow in the run game, but we were able to pick that right back up and we were able to, to pretty much dominate on offense all night. And that's huge credit to the line. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go with Jared Lloyd. Gunner, I heard you joking around with it, uh, uh, with Kalani, but to have a couple of passes that have been so close and then to end up half a yard short of the end zone, <laughs> what's that like? Um, you know, it's, it's frustrating because you obviously, everybody wants the stats. Everybody wants to, you know, rack up the touchdowns, but We've scored on every single one of them that I've that I've gotten close to, so it's not that big of a deal just because we're we're winning. So I'm I'm always a put the team first type of guy. So if we're gonna score on the drive, it doesn't really matter who it is. But you know, it's it, I don't want to be known as the guy that gets down to the one yard line and then can't put it in. You know? Do the guys give it to you? I mean, do you hear it from the guys when you're that close and don't make it? Oh yeah, they they all come back roasting and you know just oh well, you couldn't reach it six inches more, but. It's, it's fun out there. We're all joking around and having fun. Hey, we'll take one last question from Brandon Gurney. Yeah, last week it was Isaac Rex coming through. Uh, this week, uh, Carter Wheat making plays at the tight end. How important is it for you on the outside and the offense in general for these young tight ends to step up and make plays in the wake of uh, the loss to Matt Bushman? Oh, it's huge. They've done such an amazing job of stepping in and, you know, playing a bigger role this year with Matt being gone because Matt was a huge part of this offense. But – it, it, it it's huge for us as outside receivers because like I was saying earlier, they, defenses can't really key on anyone. You know, if they if they try and, you know, bracket one of some of the receivers and the tight ends open up just like they did and they keep making plays and so they can't really they can't really focus on one group or or any of us at all. So it's it's been good. Okay. Thanks, Gunner. Thank you. All right, that was BYU receiver Gunner Romney addressing the media. Gunner, seven catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. That's going to do it for Cougar Post Game Live. Your final score from Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 45-14. BYU improves to 3-0. and The Cougar Locker Room Show coming your way next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU 45-14 over Louisiana Tech. Troy Warner is speaking to the media via Zoom. Let's join in with Troy. And we were just striving to uh, to be great. And uh, I felt like we did a pretty good job of dealing with adversity today. Hey, Norma. Hey, Troy. So um, as originally BYU tended to play, it's the bulk of its toughest competition at the start of the season. And that would most of the time result in you guys being kind of banged up midway through. How has it been different uh, sort of playing, not necessarily easier games, but just not the same level of um, toughness and how that's going to help you guys make it through the whole season. 
Yeah, I mean, I really feel like we don't even pay attention to that. Uh, I feel like every week uh, is a new opportunity for us to get better and and to show, you know, what we're capable of doing. And, uh, you know, I'm just really proud of, like, just proud of the way our defense and our offense has been playing right now Um, and just the way that our coaches have prepared and just kind of the whole collective effort from everybody uh, has been really spot on. And uh, we just got to keep it going, keep it rolling. Can't can't get too high. Got to be even killing and just and just keep going. Hey, Jerry, we'll take one last question from you. Roy Kalani talked about uh, how you do so much that doesn't even show up on the field. Uh, what does that mean to hear your head coach, you know, recognize those things, the leadership and everything? What does that mean to you? Um, obviously, that's it's, it's amazing to, to have your head coach, you know, view you in that way. Uh, but I feel like it's my responsibility. I've been, you know, I've been a starter for, uh, a few years now, and and uh, you know, I just feel like it's part of my part of my responsibility to to hold guys accountable, to do what I can, you know, off the field to to make this team the best possible. Um, and whatever I can do to do that, I'm more than willing to do so. And I I feel like at the end of the day, it's just going to help the team be better, and that's that's the goal. We're trying to be great this year. Okay, thanks, Troy. Yeah. Warner will take a break. We'll come back here from Zach Wilson next as the Cougar Locker Room Show continues. This is BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Play action, throws for the end zone, is caught for a touchdown. You are listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. Football season is an exciting time of year. As BYU fans, we love seeing the Cougs back on the field. We expect seeing injuries on the football field, but occasionally injuries become part of our lives off the field. If you've been injured in an accident, we know what you're going through. We'd love to talk to you about your situation and help you better understand what you're up against. Contact us at SiegfriedandJensen.com and get the answers you deserve. We'll give it to you straight. Go Cougs! Hi, it's Julie Rose, host of Top of Mind. Join me for a special edition of the show tomorrow. You'll hear conversations from my recent trip to cover the 2020 March on Washington. 50,000 people gathered on the National Mall that day to rally for racial justice. We'll also talk with a photographer who brings endangered animals into a makeshift studio so he can capture their portraits close up. That's a special edition of Top of Mind, tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on BYU Radio. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 45, Lot Tech 14, quarterback Zach Wilson lights out. He's talking to the press about it right now. I'd probably say I haven't. You know, I haven't, you know, had that high of completion percentage in, in probably my entire career. And I think a lot of that just comes with, you know, really good coaching. I feel like my coaches have done a good job of, of being able to give me, you know, easy plays to give the receivers uh, the ability to make plays. And then, you know, every, every once in a while in a game, you got to be able to, you know, make a big time throw, uh, throw something that's maybe, maybe not planned. Um, and that, that really comes down to the line, giving me time, the receivers getting open and, and reacting and, and me and Gunner being on the same page on a lot of them tonight. Zach, when you consider how dominant you guys have been here through three games, <laughs> Is it at all difficult to um, to not look ahead maybe three or four weeks and and consider where this team could be in a month, 
if you guys keep playing like this? Yeah, you know, we take it one day at a time, one game at a time. And, you know, now we're, we're uh, practicing for UTSA this next week. Uh, they're a great team. We can't take anything for granted. We can't, you know, think we're anything yet. You know, we're only three games yet. We're only three games in. And, you know, we've done a great job up to this point, but it really means nothing yet. So uh, no one's going to get complacent. No one's going to look into the future and, and talk about what ifs. Uh, but we're just going to try and get it done every single day in practice. Okay, we'll take a question from Jay Drew and then Brandon Gurney. Hey, Zach, when you got it going like you did tonight with your accuracy, do you, do you like even recognize how hot you are? You're like, for a basketball term, you're kind of in the zone. Does that, does that kind of resonate with you? Yeah, I'd say being in the zone is definitely a, a thing for a quarterback. You know, I feel like that's where you want to be. You want to be in the zone. You want to feel like, uh, your confidence is at an all-time high. But really, you know, when I'm feeling in the zone, it's it's not about myself. It's about the whole team. I feel like the whole team was in the zone. I feel like I feel like anything we were trying to do tonight, we could do it. Zach, uh, James Empey's been as big of a mainstay as anyone on this team. Uh, how did Joe fill in today? Uh, I, just, just maybe discuss his play and what you saw from him. Yeah, James is a baller first off. And then and Joe, you know, that dude prepared like anyone – like anyone could. And, and he came in and had a great week of practice. You know, he had a lot of things to focus on and uh, you know, he didn't let it, you know, shine in the moment, you know, he got out there and he, he balled out. He was having fun at the same time. You know, there was never a time he, he seemed timid out there. He seemed, uh, he seemed confident the whole game. And so I was, I was proud of how he played, you know, he had great snaps all game uh, was making some great blocks, make some great calls. And so I was just proud of how he played. Anyone else have another question for Zach? Jared. Zach, you guys have been so successful. When you get into that first quarter and you had the turnover on downs, and I think you had to punt there at the end of the first, and things maybe weren't clicking quite at the same level you guys had been used to, how big was it to respond the way you guys did and, and really kind of take control of the game there in the second quarter like you were able to do? Yeah, all offenses have short-term memory. You know, it's you know, you have one bad play and you forget about it. You go into the next, you know, it doesn't matter each series you go into. It doesn't matter what happened on the series before. And so uh, the guys had energy the whole game. Bad play happened. Guy, guys were picking each other up. We had energy uh, going into every series this night, uh, tonight. So uh, just proud of how everyone responded. I thought we did a great job of everyone just coming back and, and taking advantage of the next drive that we had. Okay, Brandon, do you have one more question for Zach? I do. Uh, Zach, Carter Wheat was a guy that you seemed to target early. How important is it for this offense uh, and the passing game to, for you to use these tight ends to maybe open up things on the outside? Yeah, we got ballers all over the place. You know, you can't you can't zone in on one guy. Uh, we got we got tons of guys that can make plays. Carter Carter showed that tonight. He can catch. He can run. Uh, running dudes over. You know that was great. Uh, glad he got a touchdown catch tonight. That was big. Uh, he ran a great route. Um, you know, we just we just got guys that can make plays all the way around. You know, it's not one person you can you can try and shut down in a game to stop us. There's there's plenty of guys that can make plays. Okay, thanks, Zach. That's it for. Thanks. All right, that is Zach Wilson. That'll end the uh, players' Zoom press conference sessions. We'll take a break and hope to have Tyler Batty with us as we continue. BYU defeats Louisiana Tech by a score of 45 to 14, and Tyler Batty had a big night. We hope to talk about it with him next on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show 
on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah, where tonight number 22, BYU takes care of Louisiana Tech. Final score, 45-14. to 14. And as has been the theme through now, Riley Nelson, all three games, uh, every phase of the team is playing complementary football. And you can look to offense, defense, and special teams and say, well done every night. No question. And not only are they just like being satisfactory, <laughs> they're providing competitive advantages, which is why the margins of victory have been what they've been. Tyler Batty, of his six tackles, five were solo, and of his five solo stops, three were sacks. Those were his three TFLs, along with a quarterback, Curry. And Tyler Batty joins us now from the Cougar Locker Room area on the Cougar Locker Room Show. Tyler, good to speak with you for the first time. Good to speak with you as well. Before we chat about the game in particular, do you mind giving us the the really short version of the Tyler Batty story and how you got to be a Cougar here in 2020? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I I am a I'm a graduate of the class of 2017 from Payson High here in Payson, Utah. Um, Lions. Pra- yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. We are the Lions indeed. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, uh, tried to do what I could in high school. Ended up garnering some attention from BYU. Uh, was recruited by uh, Eliza Tuiaki and, and Ty Detmer, and and man, those guys locked me in. So uh, I uh, committed, signed with BYU um, that that winter of uh, 17, and then went on a mission to to Spain for two years. Uh, gray shirted last season, so I was uh, watching closely from the stands and from the TV, hmm. and then uh, joined the team in January. So here we are. Now, even though it wasn't a typical spring because of COVID. How important was it for you to get in the program in January of 2020 to give you a bit of a head start? Um, I think it was vital. Uh, the gray shirting kind of just let me get my body back for about six months, you know, before I actually joined the team. And then once I once I was here full time, uh, being able to join in January and then continue to work out and train with the team up until they, you know, shut us down in March, uh, you know, it was good. And, and even, even, even uh, when they did shut us down, in March, I was able to keep training with a couple guys on the team, you know, and try to try to keep sharp and keep strong. Tyler, on your first sack, you lined up in a real wide six and took a great angle on a speed rush. Can uh, talk to the fans a little bit about uh, that pass rush move because I think you also had a sack on that same just just a speed rush running the uh, rim with a nice little shoulder dip to get underneath the the tackle. Talk us through that move. It seems to be one of your favorites. For, well, tell us it, is that your favorite and. Uh, just kind of walk us through the technique talk a little shop with us on that yeah absolutely um and yes it it is my it is my favorite go-to so uh that's that's something hopefully we we see here in the future as well um practically on that it's just try to get upfield as fast and get as low as you can when you go to make contact and, and turn that corner get your hips around and try to get hands on that quarterback three sacks tonight tyler after one last week against troy and although you, though you had three, you were really close to like four and five. Were the quarterbacks just getting rid of it as you get to them? Did you get did you get that sense a couple times? Absolutely. There were a lot of opportunities as a team and uh, especially individually tonight um, where uh, things could have been better. So looking forward, that is definitely something we're going to improve on. Okay. Uh, before tonight, uh, no team had gotten to 200 yards in total offense against you guys. And now it's more about points and wins than it is yards. La Tech did get there. They got to 313, put together one nice drive uh, a little bit later in the game. How much are you pulling for the backups once the deeper guys get in to kind of uh, you know hold it down or lock it down the way you guys have tried to through most of the game? 
practically um, <clears throat> in that situation with our with our depth right now, I think as a defense and as a team, um, we're deep with talent into our into our second and third and even possibly fourth string. Um, in reality, tonight uh, there were a few errors, and I think uh, that is kind of what um, that is definitely what allowed LaTeX to to get those to gain those yards um, in past games. And what we hope to see in the future is no drop off um, mm-hmm. when we do when we get deeper into our say second and third string that you know our our playing style and our intensity and our production remains the same overall how would you assess the state of the BYUD and and how pleased are you along with maybe uh coach E where do you think he stands right now with how you guys are playing I think everyone is is pleased to a degree but at the same time I think that everybody understands the potential that this team has uh, and that is, that's a very high ceiling. Uh, right now I would say we're not reaching or even coming close to that ceiling. So although we are winning games, um, and, and, and that's great, uh, just as the coaches have said before, th- this is only a taste of, of what this team can really be. Tyler, it seems like this defense loves contact. They love physical play. Um, and I think, especially early in the game, uh, Louisiana Tech – brought some physicality there was uh I, to me it looked like uh some of the best um i granted i think it, they wore down and and uh the skill of you and your teammates both on both sides of the ball offensive and defense but talked a little bit about how uh you guys foster that and maintain that love for physicality because uh, it may come as a surprise to some but not every college football team does some people shy away from it but those who really embrace it seems to work out for them oh absolutely I think it just starts uh, a with our with our coaching with the um, just the way the way we're coached the way uh, we're coached to take on blocks and to take on um, runs and and whatnot. We play a three man front, and in order to play a three man front and be successful at it, you have to be physical. Um, you have to be able to maintain space, and that is something that uh, that we harp on quite frequently. Is uh, we're always talking about about um, practically just being rock solid being immovable um and in order to do that you i mean it's of the essence you have to play physical so uh for us i think <clears throat> playing physical almost just comes naturally uh with with the style of, of of play that we that we run in reality um just the way we do things you you have to be physical in order to to get in the game you know you have to you have to be physical if you if you want to play and, and that's the other thing we have a lot of dudes that want to play and so it all just just kind of fosters uh, that uh, that culture and that environment of just mean, physical, tough, tough D line play. Last thing for you, Tyler, from us, and I'm going to dovetail off what you just talked about, and that is, did you get a chance to see? Now it's an offensive play. I'm not sure what you were doing on the sideline. If you were with your group, if you got to see it, Mason Wake catch and run for 18 yards tonight starts with a hurdle and then just starts trucking guys down the field. Did you see it live? Absolutely, absolutely. I watched it with my own eyes. And that was a fantastic play. I think that uh, physicality is something that not only the defense embraces, but as a team we embrace. And just super happy for Mason. He's a great guy, and, and he likes to jump, as we've seen. He likes to hurdle guys. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that run tonight was amazing. I mean, he just took off, and he did. I mean, he just went guy after guy after guy and just kept going. So props to him. Really proud of him. That was a blast. Another Utah County High School product like yourself, right? Indeed, yes. 
All right, representing. Nice job. Hey, Tyler, great to see you playing so well these last few weeks and certainly many, many, many more games to come over your BYU career. Great to see you get it started the way you have and great to be a 3-0, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. All right, here's to 4-0. Thanks, Tyler. Hey, thanks. Have All a right. good one. That is Tyler Batty, defensive end and uh, uh, a sacker of the quarterback three times tonight. Man alive, he was good. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back here from the La Tech side and get ready to hear from Kalani Sitake, too. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the BYU New Skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Cougar Postgame Coaches Show is coming up. Let's wrap up the Cougar Locker Room Show by getting a few words from the Louisiana Tech side of things. Head coach Skip Holt spoke to the media via Zoom. And you know how Zoom conversations sometimes go a little echoey sometimes. You know how it is. So that's what you'll be hearing when you hear the conversation or the comments from Skip Holtz and media a short time ago on Zoom. We make the routine play. I mean, you play a two-deep coverage, and, and you're not supposed to let the guy outside release. He outside releases. He goes down the sideline, and they throw a touchdown pass, and it's uncontested. It's just being able to execute the, the things that we're doing. We're, we tried to come into this game and simplify things with the young football team on the road, and we, we did not execute very well. We tried to blitz them on – an empty down on the goal line. They run a quarterback draw. You have the perfect thing called to it. We get two guys both going the same gap, and all of a sudden it's a it's a touchdown. We just they're they're a very good football team, and Zach was incredibly accurate tonight. He was really impressive sitting there watching him on the field. Um, I think he throws the ball very well. He's very accurate, and he was really mature in how he handled um, their offense tonight. I was really impressed with him. But I think we've got to offensively, we we don't do little things the right way. And that's not a reflection of the players. That's a reflection on me as a head coach and our staff. We've got to do we've got to do a better job just making sure that we can do the routine thing. Sometimes you come and get on national television. I kept asking, well, why would you do that? You've never done that. We've run this play a hundred times. It's like, I don't know, coach. I don't know. Sometimes you get in these games and you know, players try and make things happen. Um, and we just we did not execute the fundamental things that we have to be able to do to be a good football team. So um, I, to BYU, their staff, their players, they have a really good football team. They did a really nice job. You know, it's like you said, we made, what is that, 18 first downs. They'd been given up. They'd given up 15 in the first two games. But those aren't any things to jump up and down about. We, we got run out of this game at the end of the second half, at the end of the first half, the end of the second quarter, and the beginning of the third um, with points, and we weren't able to make some first downs and get things going, and we weren't able to get off the field as a defense. Coach, Coach Holtz, this is John Coon from the Associated Press. Um, what, what, in your opinion, led to Zach Wilson being so accurate? He, he ended up passing 24 of 26. Um, it was the second most in a single game for in BYU history. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're not very good in the secondary. Uh, pains me to say that. I'm not trying to take a shot at our own team. Uh, we're very young and inexperienced at corner. I thought they really um, they had a good plan, and I thought he executed it very, very well. Um, but like I said, I think we didn't, 
we didn't do a lot of little things the right way and just execute and cover. There were guys running wide open. I mean, and we're dropping eight and their guys running wide open and that, um, but you know what? He still had to hit them. You know what I mean? He had to find them and he had to hit them and he did that. And like I said, I think he is a very good quarterback. He's very seasoned. Um, he's been in this program. I mean, and he's done, he's, he's doing a really nice job. I mean, there's a reason that, um, that he's put up the number of yards and points that, that this football team has. I thought they controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And I think their play action passing game off of their running game, being able to control the line, um, we were really exposed on the back end. All right, so that is Skip Holtz, head coach of the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Let's pause 10 seconds for a station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU-FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. All right, Coach Holtz's comments conclude our Cougar Locker Room show. We'll take a break and... Still to come, head coach Kalani Sitake and the BYU Cougar postgame coaches show. That is still ahead. Final score tonight, 45-15, to number 22, BYU all over Louisiana Tech. Special night for Zach Wilson, 24 for 26, 325 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, a passer rating of 222.7. He's the first quarterback in BYU history to, within a single season, have three straight games with a pass efficiency of 200 or better. That was Zach tonight. He also has the first and second best completion percentages in a single game in BYU football history with a minimum of 15 pass attempts. He, of course, went 18 for 18 in the Potato Bowl a couple of years ago. And tonight, again, 24 for 26 on the season. His, uh, his completion percentage is near 85%. This is BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. Brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, guiding members forward for more than 80 years. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, welcome in, back in to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Kalani Sitake and the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show is coming up. We've heard from BYU play. We've heard from Kalani in his postgame press conference first. We heard from Gunnar Romney and Troy Warner and Zach Wilson and with us Tyler Batty and head coach Skip Holtz of the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. BYU's a winner tonight, 45-14 over La Tech. BYU setting all kinds of superlatives in the first game, first three games of the season. I've been tweeting out a few of them, and I might hit a couple of them before we uh, head down to Kalani. I think Kalani's putting on the headset right now, as a matter of fact. So let's hold off on some of those great numbers, and we'll uh, jump down to the Cougar locker room area and uh, say good evening to head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake. Kalani can hear us okay. We hear we hear him in the distance. We hear yep. him in the background. We don't hear him. It's like it's on another person's mic. Yeah. Oh, I feel like things are happening. I feel like he's getting closer. I think he can hear us now. You guys got me? Now yeah, we have we you. Go. That's great. Kalani, congratulations on tonight's win. Leave it up to me to put the wrong headset on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mitch. That was my fault. Hey, right. everything went so right during the game. If the stuff that's got to go wrong happens in postgame, we'll live with it. <laughs> Kudos on tonight, Coach. Hey, thanks, guys. I mean, you know, it wasn't perfect, but um, 
got the result we wanted, and I was just pleased with the with the performance, with the, with the effort that our guys gave. And you know, we, there's a lot of things that I want to pick apart and, and and learn from this, but definitely a lot of praise to go around and from the coaches and and the players. I, I feel like they did a great job getting ready for this game. So, uh, what's what's most praiseworthy to you right now? Well. The fact that we were able to get some of those guys um, some valuable reps, I know we've sacrificed some yards. It's just seeing some of the guys get on the field on defense and, and on offense, that stuff matters. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go a long way when they get some significant reps. And, and I like the way that they responded after giving up a touchdown. I like the way they came back and forced a turnover. I think um, there, there was a moment where you could have gone just easy and just kind of go coast through the game. I think we wanted to reemphasize not wasting any time on the on the clock and making sure that we get as good as we can and perform at our best. And so, uh, just pleased with the win, but obviously a lot of a lot of uh, mistakes to to fix, and 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 it's easier to fix the mistakes when you win. It's a lot more motivating. Coach, a uh, lot of questions and uh, emphasis put on Zach's, and and rightfully so, but. Uh, as a former quarterback, when you are in sync with your coordinator, when that play coming in from the sideline is one that you would call yourself or when you hear it, you just get like a tick of excitement because you just know that's the right call for the right moment. Take a minute and talk about uh, Coach Grimes' uh, maybe evolution as a play caller or how he maybe it's him and working with his staff or maybe his involvement of Zach in that. But, man, the call coming in from the sideline and just the drives that he's put together just seem masterful right now. How has he gotten to this point as a play caller? Well, I think he's he's been always been a great leader. And, and uh, what he does really well is he gets the most out of his guys. And it's not just the players, it's the coaches. You know, and I think if you see how he leads this group on the offensive side and how cohesive they are as a, as a unit. Um, he takes advantage of the strengths that you see from all his position coaches and his players. And then, um, you know, he has a great, uh, he does a great job of organizing it all and then motivating the players and, and getting the most out of them. And so uh, I think I've just been really pleased with Jeff Grimes with his leadership, things that he does as, as an offensive coordinator, but also utilizing the talent that he has uh, on the on the playing field with the players, but also in his coaching staff. I, he's doesn't have an ego and he's willing to learn as much as he can from Fessy and Steve Clark and Aaron Roderick and Harvey Unga, you know, and, and, and Eric Mateos and those guys work really well together. But even as a graduate assistant or an analyst in that room, everyone feels like they have ownership in the, in, and have a role. And so being comfortable to speak up and, 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 and be a part of the game planning is really valuable. And that's because the leader has done a great job at, at, at making them feel uh, like their, their role matters. It was another turnover-free game for your team tonight, Kalani. You guys are 11-1 and since you've been the head coach when you just don't turn it over. Yeah, that might be nice. We just keep it that way, you know, and, and we keep kept fo- focusing on, you know, ball security, um, and it helps when Zach Wilson's making wise decisions with the ball. I mean, he took some risks, uh, and I thought there were some really uh, quality risks and paid off you know but i i like the way he's playing he just seems to be really comfortable out there and that's running the ball just decision making has been unbelievable I, i've seen veteran quarterbacks be able to make those type of decisions really hard to defend those guys and 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 i think he's starting to come into his own right now and trust his teammates and they, they have a really good thing going right now so hopefully we can keep this keep this momentum and keep progressing as a team zach did have one incompletion in each half are you saying it's okay for the ball to hit the ground once in a while well, I mean, yeah, if if he's throwing it away and making a good decision, I'm okay with it. But yeah, that that's 
It's amazing. But, but I mean, <laughs> if you look at it, it he, he, he decision making is not just throwing the ball. It's also where where he's going to give it and on a fly sweep or where he's going to check the play when he sees a pressure. I mean, he's making great decisions right now. And to do that with a new center and to do that with some players and it doesn't matter if there's a tight end in or, or four wides. I mean, he's able to do it with so many different personnel sets. That's a huge compliment to the way that they're, they prep and the way that these guys are on top of it. You've seen Zach have an 18-for-18 18 game, a 24-for-26 night tonight. Uh, pretty remarkable. What can you say about Joe Tukawafu getting his first O-line start and doing it at center for this offense So tonight? proud of him. He, he's been he's worked really hard to get here, and, and you know, we, we've moved him around. He played tight end before, and, and just uh, he's got so much toughness and ability and, and so much skill that um, you, you never want guys to, to, to rely on your depth, but... Uh, we know that when we can get there and, and have a guy like his, you know, like Joe's abilities and, and strong, he's strong up the line scrimmage, coached well by Mateos and Grimes, and um, just really pleased with his performance. It, it wasn't that noticeable that, that, that James Empey wasn't in the game. That's a huge compliment because James Empey's a great player. And so I, I think that he's understanding the scheme, and it was nice to get him those those valuable reps. And then I feel even more comfortable now that we've had another O-lineman that with his first start, and we have a, an experienced group there. A lot of guys have played a lot of reps. All right, Coach, i got a question for the diehards out there, but I know it's a phase of the game that's near and dear to your heart. Kickoff coverage in the last couple games, um, any time they've tried to return, they've only got to the 20 once. Uh, they've brought it out of the end zone a few times, haven't even sniffed the 25, and tonight uh, they brought it out three times, every time kept them inside the 20. Uh, talk about the, the strategy behind that kickoff coverage because as an offense, whenever you're starting inside your own 20, there's just kind of a different feel about that drive you're not as optimistic and your coverage team is doing a great job keeping uh you know starting the other team's offense off on a bad foot ed lamb's done an amazing job with, with special teams and kickoff is is his baby he likes having the, the right guys on the field it takes a lot of courage to run down there and and not have to have your head on a swivel and sacrifice your body to get a stop and we have those type of guys on on that team, and and when you have a kicker like Jake Oldroyd that can put the ball in, with accuracy in different spots, you know um, he he's booming the ball, and a lot of them go out of bounds, and it's just kind of frustrating for the kickoff team because they want to pin them deep, you know, and instead of letting them get to the 25. But um, when they do return it, I feel really comfortable with the way our guys have been able able to attack, and it takes courageous guys to do it, and then we have a bunch of those guys, and it's just not on the first team. We got to a good three deep like we feel comfortable getting downfield and making tackles and then and flipping the the, the field and, and giving us momentum so I'm glad you recognize that visiting with kalani sitake this is the cougar postgame coaches show as we take a break we will tell you that it's time for the mountain america field goal recap for each field goal byu makes this year mountain america donates 250 dollars to the american red cross today the cougars made one field goal for a running total of five that would bring your total to 1250 but mountain america chipped in an extra 250 for jake's record tying field goal last week of 54 yards so fifteen hundred dollars and counting courtesy of mountain america credit union We'll take a break. More with Kalani next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 45 and Louisiana Tech 14. The Cougars have allowed 24 points is all through the first three games of the season. 
The last time BYU allowed as few as 24 points through games 1, 2, and 3, you got to go back to 1952. Kalani Sitaki is with us on the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. So you played fullback here at BYU, Coach, and there's a guy you've got that plays fullback slash tight end, kind of an H-back hybrid guy. His name is Mason Wake. Mason had one hurdle earlier in the season that was it was okay. It was a good effort. <laughs> Tonight he had a hurdle that would look much better, and then he followed it by running guys over for the next 10 yards or so. Can you tell us how you viewed Mason Wake's beast of a run tonight? Yeah, I, I was I was talking to him. I said, hey, that I'd like to say that that reminds me of myself, but um, he had better ball security and, and uh, definitely uh you know, broke up more tackles. I mean, that that was amazing. I think it set the tone for the sideline. The guys are going going crazy. And you know, one thing that you you miss is that his blocking is amazing. That play that Tyler Algeo broke on the run, um, he he was he flattened his guy. And so we have something special with him. We I feel really good with all our players. But um, you know, Mason can run the ball, he can catch the ball, and he can block, and that, that that makes for a great fullback. And I think he's got a lot of years ahead of him. So looking forward to seeing the things that he can do for us. And Really proud of the things that he's doing for us on the field and, and the toughness and tenacity that it brings to the physical part of our game. That's going to be a fun play to watch in the tight end room, but is, is it going to be a team room thing where you guys get to see that again as a group? Yeah, I think we're going to have to show the highlights. I mean, I think most of the guys, it's weird because most of the guys, it's already on on social media and everyone's replaying it. And so yeah. I, by the time it gets to our team meeting, it's kind of been watched a bunch, and, and now we're focused on trying to get to the next game. So uh, that's that's what technology will do for you, but we'll, we'll still praise them for it. Coach, there was – they did not complete a ball that traveled more than 10 yards in the air. How were you able with the backside of that defense to just completely take away that aspect of the passing game? Well, I think, you know, we're trying to get pressure on the quarterback, and we, we were able to flush him out of the pocket quite often, and that's hard. You know it's hard for a quarterback to, to throw on the run, and all of a sudden the routes are not what they were before. And so uh, some of the stuff that they were able to make were off of the scramble – we weren't able to respond to some of the plays, but whenever you get them off their timing and you get them off their their the uh, like a, you can kind of get in a rhythm. You saw it with with Zach; he was getting in a rhythm with everything. And and I think whenever we can disrupt that timing, that rhythm on on as a defense for the offense, I think we're going to be okay. And uh, you just have to live with some of the mistakes. I mean, the, the quarterback makes good plays; they, they're able to capitalize on some plays with his feet, right? But I don't think anything will really hurt you if you're able to keep it in front of you and. There'll be times that we were, we're going to have to um, take some chances and, and get more pressure and things like that. We just didn't feel like we had to do that tonight. Um, but there'll be opportunities where we need to do that, and this wasn't one of those moments. Felt like it was the kind of game, Kalani, where you got out of it without any ones, any top-string players having to leave the game injured or have anything long-term to think about or worry about. Uh, and I go, it's early and, and things can happen after a game, but it felt like it was a pretty good game for you guys that way to, to get through with everyone intact. Yeah, and and just really happy that our guys, um, you know, they, they've been they've been working hard in, in the weight room and trying to uh, get their bodies right. But I just think they're doing all the little things right and, and practicing smart and and nutrition. All that stuff matters when when there's not a lot of um, opportunities for them to socialize. And, and the focus now is purely football and school online most of it, right? So uh, it's football, more football, and 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 really trying to stay secluded from the outside, out, the outside um, people out there so that they don't mess up your testing. So that it's it's even more so that these guys need to be focused on the game and, 
even though every, you know with the testing and all that stuff that's going on so i, I like i like that we're in the situation because it, it makes us grow up and focus on what we're trying to get done I want to focus on a couple guys individually, if you don't mind. One offensive and and one defense. Of course, we've talked about Zach. Amazing night. Uh, Gunnar Romney sees a lot of Zach's targets, and Gunnar's now had 100-plus receiving yards in the first three games of the year. The last BYU player to have three straight century games receiving-wise was Cody Hoffman back in 2012. Gunnar's had a great start to his year, looks healthy and fast, and the way he goes up and gets those balls, man, it's impressive. Yeah, and he's he's uh, he he's starting to you know you look at Zach and he and and uh, Dax and Neil they're starting to really get get the feel of the field and be be able to feel their routes feel where they can get open and uh, connecting with the ball. I mean they they have such great ball skills you know catching and receiving with their hands and I think the only complaint for Gunner is that he needs to stop getting tackled on the one yard line or <laughs> giving the, the the touchdowns to everybody else. But he. Uh, you know, just really happy that he's able to get open and make some big-time plays. Just really, really impressed with his, with the things that he does. But you watch his blocking. He's a complete player. We just need to keep rolling to it and keep targeting him. Now to defense, and he's only a freshman technically, but he uh, we ha- we had him on our post-game show, and, and he speaks with the. Uh, uh, the tenor and the and, and the tone of somebody much older than a freshman, Tyler Batty, we're talking about. He had his first sack last week against Troy, and he had three more tonight and could have had more. He was really dominant. Great player and, and, and great ability and so tough. I mean, uh, most ki- most kids from Payson are, right? But he's uh, he loves the game of football, and he was, he's was he been waiting for this moment, you know, and, and served a mission. And so now he's in in the mix, and he's, he's playing a lot of football. But you look at the ratio from him being on the field and when he makes big plays, his yeah. big play ratio is high. And, and uh, I, I'm glad that he's he's here. You know, we've been waiting for. I said in the post game, I've been the hardest part is I had to wait for him to serve his mission and come back, and <laughs> and really looking forward to some of the things that he can do for us. I mean, he's a he's a great player and just crazy that he can do this with with so many years ahead of him. All right, uh, we've gone through <clears throat> a, a, what Tom Holmo calls a, a two game chunk where you knew you weren't going to have fans, and we hope the next chunk of games get somebody in the building here so so somebody can enjoy the games with you in person. But you've certainly give BYU fans and, and Cougar Nation a lot to cheer through three games, even without physical bodies in the venue. Again, we hope like crazy that it changes soon. But, uh, man, it's been inspiring to see how you guys play and, and how Cougar Nation reacts to you uh, online and other places. And so congrats again for the night. And we hope the best uh, for everyone in the program and in the county and the state that we're able to get things a little more back to normal and, and get to enjoy games together again. Exactly. Just just happy that we can entertain everyone, and and we love our fans so much. We just can't wait to get them get them here in person. The the cutout, the the, the things out, the the cutouts, the pictures of the guys, that's awesome. But man, it's just when this place is rocking, there's nothing like it. I think even Skip Holt said that in his in his uh, prep this week. You know, mm-hmm. he acknowledged how wonderful this the, the fan base is here, and looking forward to seeing them. So thank you so much, Go Cougs. Appreciate you guys. All right, thank you, Kalani. That is Kalani Sitake and tonight's Cougar post-game coaches show. Cougar Nation Now is coming up next right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to BYU Dining's Cougar Nation Now. BYU Dining, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions using the hashtag BYUCNN. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Juergens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 22nd ranked 
BYU is a winner for a third time in three games. 45-14 to 14 over Louisiana Tech. BYU dominant yet again. And the Cougars will see uh, what tonight's win does to their poll standing on Sunday. They, of course, play on Friday. We'll see how tomorrow shakes out and where this puts the Cougars at the end of the weekend. Everybody that I think is going to be ranked is now ranked. I, th- I think this past weekend, Riley, once they uh, made the Big Ten and the Pac-12 teams poll eligible, if you will, I think everyone's in that's going to be in at this point. So um, you wouldn't think that BYU drops out of the top 25. To me, the only question is how far they go up um, and they shouldn't go down. Because last week they went down by four spots because of all the new teams that came in. But I think that everyone's in is going to be in, and BYU should uh, be able to move up with victories at this point. At least that's my expectation. Yeah, and you don't want what you don't want are upsets because you got a, a ranked team that's maybe played one games or no games, and then they get beat. And sports shout out to BYU. Uh, on the Sports Center top ten, as that's uh, rolling here in the booth with us, Troy Warner's pick going up in high point in it, wrestling it away from the wideout. Nice, great job, Troy. But no, because then what happens there is you, if you have an unranked beat a ranked, and it's a small sample size, they're like, well, maybe they're good. They just had a bad week, right? And so they'll bump them down. But then the team that beat them, that they'll kind of leapfrog a bunch of people, and BYU will get caught in that mix of the of the bigger conferences. But no, I, l- listen. These guys, like, they, there was a little uh, out on the, the BYU football Instagram, they were posting some of the cl- screenshots of what the national pundits were saying. And, like, they're saying, these are guys that watch a lot of football and they watch the big conferences. And they're saying, when you look at the base elements of what BYU's put together in these three weeks, you can't argue against it. It's not a fluke. It's not like. It, it's legitimate, and so um, I think uh, all the people that actually stay up and earnestly watch the game, which I, I do still have the faith in the polls that that's the majority of voters, are going to uh, you know reward BYU for their efforts. BYU's down an All-America tight end. BYU played tonight without two-fifths of a starting offensive line. Tristan Hodge didn't play again. James Empey didn't play tonight. Those guys started the Navy game. I mean, BYU has a starting O-line. And how they, many starts between those two guys? A ton, right? And, yeah. they, and they played without those guys tonight. So they're playing with backups on the O-line right now and getting it done. Um, so, again, as good as BYU's been, the Cougs could be even better if they'd been a little bit healthier. And they've been dealing with some adversity and dealing with it uh, very well through three games. It must be said. Uh, this is BYU Creamery, BYU Dining, Cougar Nation now, hashtag BYUCNN, hashtag BYUCNN. So tweet us now, and your commentary will provoke our postgame discussion. Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson, soon to join us. Mitchell Jurgens here in the broadcast booth. Again, use the hashtag BYUCNN, or you can just tweet directly at me, at Greg Grubel. This tweet from Ryan Stevens gets us underway, talking about Zach Wilson, and we've given you all kinds of Zach Wilson superlatives both on the air and on social media via my Twitter feed. And Ryan says it's not just the stats. It's actually watching him do it. The throws are on time, on target, the right touch, thrown from anywhere on the field to any spot he wants. He looks like an NFL quarterback. And I recall tonight Riley calling, in my play-by-play call, calling back shoulder two times. And one back shoulder was, I think, on the run, maybe 35, 40 yards downfield. And the other was across the field, uh, back shoulder to the opposite sideline, as I recall. Is that accurate in your recollection? Yeah. So these aren't just, I mean, quote-unquote standard back shoulders. These are remarkably athletic back shoulder throws with a lot of air underneath them. 
Yeah, and his ability, to, he gets him out there somewhat effortlessly. Like, he's throwing it from standing tall in the pocket, which is really impressive. Uh, one of the things I'll say that, uh, you know, Coach, we we tend to go, and look, it's great when you haven't played the position, I can say this, is it's so great because when everything's going well, you get uh, but you uh, you get all the credit, and some of it's undue. And, and Zach, obviously, with historical performances, deserves as much as anybody's willing to give him. But Kalani talked about how he just feels like the team is so balanced and they're playing with such great rhythm and chemistry right now. One of the things I'll say about those two routes specifically, while they are tremendously great throws, credit to – and by the way, Zach also deserves an element of credit in this, but that – now, it, that doesn't just require great physical or athletic skill. That requires time and chemistry that's built up through high volume of reps together. That's sitting there, quarterback, wide receiver, talking through it. All right, the DB stays high on you this way. If I give you my eyes, if I if we're in this route concept, look and expect to do that. I, it looked like these guys have been – speaking of NFL, in college the max you can play together with a, a guy is, is, through, is four years, and with Dax and Gunner, he's on three of four. Is is but it looks like they've been throwing the ball together for eight nine ten seasons and it's only been a couple so uh just so many different elements that are impressive both about about zach but the guys around him who are who are um you know producing as well mitchell jurgens has now joined us here in the broadcast booth uh, we've been kicking it around for quite a bit already mitchell's been facilitating down in the byu locker room area but we now get mitch's first to true post-game summation uh, Mitch, you've now been on the field for three BYU wins in three games, and uh, how legit does this team look to you at three and zero? Well, as legit as they can look right now, which is, I mean, it's really impressive. You look at, I mean, we've talked about it even pregame, and then to see a, a, another game where all three facets of the game—special teams, offense, defense—they just look dominant. They're um, Zach. Zach was talking about it in his postgame. Um, in his interview, how he's just he's in the zone and everyone's in the zone, um, and, and what's so cool to see that is when people are in the zone. I mean, everyone just kind of follows suit. Um, they're they're playing so well. But one thing I will say that's that's actually kind of nice about this game: the first two games it was kind of hard to find what can we improve on this game. Even though they performed really well, there are some key things that the team can improve on. Right? One is penalties. We saw that the first time in in three weeks or three games that penalties had some effect on certain drives um, and it led to the score from La Tech and and so that's one thing that can be cleaned up the discipline um, and then obviously we saw a, a little bit of a gap between the first team and the second team um, especially that defense and even on the offense a little bit that last drive that they couldn't convert on the first down um, but overall I mean that the team looked so dominant um, but even in, in such dominant wins, there's always ways to improve. And you heard, you know, the coaches and the players all talk about that where it's, you know, you have short-term memory, you get back, you work on the things that um, work on the things that you need to fix and, and you come out and be a better team. Um, so uh, really excited to see this team though. Three weeks or three games in three and oh, looking spectacular. And it just gets us excited. It gets me excited to see what's more to come. We talked about the medical tent not being uh, frequently used tonight. We think that Caden uh, Hawes might have been the only guy to even get near it. Caden came off early in the game limping off, um, a backup defensive tackle. But in terms of the mainline guys, uh, there was not a lot to worry about tonight that way, right? No, and it was. I mean, it was also really nice. You, know, you talked about 
Um, you know, we weren't sure how close James Empey was to playing in this game, and Kalani even made mention that um, he was close but made the decision to keep him out. And uh, it looks like, I mean, for the most part, guys are staying healthy, and uh, the, the strength and conditioning team is obviously doing a really good job at um, getting these guys prepared. Um, they look they look in shape as well. I mean, not too many times do you see players with their hands on their hips looking tired out there. They're all... Um, I mean, they're firing on all cylinders. They're they're ready. They're prepped, and and they just look strong and fast. And uh, this is a team that uh, I mean, they're looking like one of the best in the country right now. And and it's just it's fun to watch. It is fun to be a part of. It is BYU Dining, BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation. Now later in this program, we'll have the BYU Creamery Inside Scoop trivia question for two half gallons of famous Creamery ice cream. We invite your tweets. Use the hashtag BYUCNN. Use the hashtag BYUCNN to get your comments in. Your comments will spur our discussion here in the broadcast booth. You can also uh, tweet at me directly. That's at Greg Rubel. Or you can even use the email, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. You can even drop an email to us. It's one long word, CougarNationNow, two N's in Nation Now. That's CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. So whether via email or via Twitter, Give us a shout. We'll make you part of our show. This is the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation Now program. BYU wins it 45-14 over Louisiana Tech right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation Now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back to BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now. Greg Rubel, Riley Nelson, and uh, Mitchell Jurgens with you in the broadcast booth. Uh, let's kick off this next segment by uh, taking in a question dealing with uh, Zach Wilson. And uh, the question comes in from Greg A., who says, I cannot remember a BYU quarterback being this accurate and efficient. Who's been this efficient in BYU history, and he mentions names like uh, Jim McMahon and and Steve Young, and Zach Wilson's career pass efficiency right now is 150.5. That's very impressive. In BYU football history, this is a minimum of 400 attempts right now, and Zach's at 572, so he qualifies. So Zach right now is at 150.5. Here are the quarterbacks who have a higher career pass efficiency than Zach Wilson. Ty Detmer, number one. Steve Sarkeesian, Jim McMahon, Brandon Doman, Max Hall. He'd be ahead of Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, John Walsh, Gifford Nielsen, John Beck, to name a handful of guys. So he's in great company already. His completion percentage, I'm going to get you a more accurate number on this because it's rounded off, and I want to get a little more accurate so I can compare it. So for his career, he is now 379 for 572. That's 66.3%. Okay? Where do you think 66.3% for a career would land him in terms of ranking at BYU? Third or fourth? Be second right now. And again, this is a minimum of 400 attempts, and this is a, he's at 572, so we qualify. Sark? The only guy is, Star, is Sark. Now, Sark. The, now, the one differentiating factor there is he played two seasons. Zach's into his third, may get into a fourth, so we'll see how these things go. But that said, in, in two seasons, Steve Sarkeesian was 66.9. He's number one all-time for a career. Second is Max Hall, 65.3. 
And there's Zach at 66.3 already. And Max was a guy. Max was a three-year starter. Zach will end up in that territory as well. So where he is right now already puts him in great company with a large number of attempts. So he's in some pretty rarefied air with still a lot of football left to play. It's impressive. So with a shot to be number one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and now, granted, he's off to an 85% start to this season, so he's he's above the norm right now. But that said, this is kind of who he is, no, right? Mean, this his, is not this is not like a true oh, where did this come from? No, as a true freshman, he was 18 for 18. And yeah. there were other games that, I mean, if we look at the the game logs from even his true freshman year, this is he's been a high completion. He's been able to find completions. That's that's been his mo. So, um, yeah, it's, it, for a career, it's hard to say for a career. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously Max was mentioned there a couple of times. Like, who was the last one? So it, as you're working backwards and you kind of got Tanner and then Taysom and then me and then Max and then John, you kind of go Tanner, Taysom, me, and Taysom, obviously. If you look at Taysom's per-play efficiency, maybe not just his passing, but his per-play, like he's one of the most productive players ever to, to play a uniform. And then uh, Tanner, you know, there was some – some years there were maybe some supporting casts, and he was dealing with some of his own demons and things like that. And anyway, but Max, that 2008 year was a tremendously when that was when he had Harvey, Dennis, and Austin, all three of those guys, and that was uh, I, I don't know what the specific numbers look like, but I bet that was good. And then John, you got to keep in mind, John played in parts of all four seasons, but really didn't start coming into his own the second half of his junior season, and then his his 2006 season, which landed him as the 40th pick overall in the NFL draft right at the beginning of the second round um, was a, was great. I mean, it was on par, in my opinion, with those Sark, that Sark season of 96. So, and But the awesome thing about that that everyone should be excited for is I think Zach's trending very much in that same direction. We mentioned that John kind of hit his stride second half of his junior year. Here's Zach starting off his junior year with a bang. And like you said, Greg, we never know, you know, knock on wood, we get to see him for as many games as as uh, we can that he gets uh, his full eligibility and stays injury-free. Uh, but he's tracking for those same kind of productive numbers. Question coming in from uh, at Chaplain Schumann, and he's a, a regular contributor here on the uh, Cougar Nation Now program. Uh, Chaplain Schumann says, if UTSA wins tomorrow, it would result in four straight games for BYU against undefeated opponents. Has that ever happened before? And I can't really speak to the has that ever happened before part. Maybe that's a question for Ralph Sokolowski that we can follow up on. But uh, the that's point, a great the, question. The point being, it's a good point that that you start with Navy, and of course they're zero and zero. Then you played Troy, who was one and zero. Then you played La Tech, who was two and zero. And now UTSA is currently 3-0, and and they could be 4-0 by the time they get to your place. So uh, UTSA, yes, they are 3-0, and 1-0 in league, and they will be at UAB tomorrow at 10.30 Mountain Time kick. So check I that don't even out. want to mention it. By the way, I think they, will, it, I think they will win tomorrow, and okay. I think they'll be 4 and and, and I, I feel like saying, well, it's still early to bring that up, but it's October. So it's, we're, we're, we're kind of in a weird spot where it's early and it's October. I'm just curious, has the Houston game canceled yet? <laughs> not, not to make light of those guys' misfortune. No, they don't play but... this weekend. They don't play this weekend. So oh. they're lucky. Yeah, they, 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 they play Tulane on, I think, Thursday this week. It's not next coming week. They okay. play on the 8th. Okay. So they their first game of the season should be a home game against Tulane on Thursday night. Okay. And then they bring BYU in eight nights later. Well, Lord bless those guys that that game actually happens. I know. And, and, and uh, Tom Homo was uh, in his Zoom press conference today where he met with the media you know, he was asked about the schedule, which now has 10 games and maybe more. 
And his point was interesting because <laughs> and it's a really you have to think about why he said this and 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 what it really means. But he said it's not about the schedule; it's about the games. And you're going, well, what games are the schedule? Schedule are the games. He goes, no, no, no. Tonight's a game, and then next week, if all goes well, is a game. And then by the end of it, hopefully you'll say we played a schedule. But right now it's not about the 10 or the 12. It's about the 1. And because every game week to week um, in our current uh, climate and dynamic um, isn't, you know, going to be played until it's played. And that's we've seen games canceled uh, the day before uh, a game uh, is to be played right now. So that's just the thing is you cross fingers and hope that you get the games in and that by the end of it you've played a schedule. Um, but that's kind of where we are. And, and Tom says I'm – he was so excited for the game tonight, and he can't think about the next game or what happened two weeks ago because it's literally a game-to-game environment now for BYU, and not just coach-speak game-to-game, but truly, are you going to get the game in? Uh, question coming in from at SurfBlind before a break, and we'll throw this to you guys. Uh, is the schedule enough now, or does BYU need one more quality P5 caliber team? And I'm not sure that P5's in the mix unless something weird happens and looking for a fill-in. BYU is a good fill-in team, and it could be that someone looks for a fill-in. But his question is, does BYU need one more quality? He says P5 caliber, and it could be a good G5, to nationally make a statement or possibly qualify New Year's 6 if the stars align. Let's note that Navy's a good name to start the season with, um, and, and, and La Tech has enough of a name, and if you beat them like you do tonight, you, you make another statement. Houston's a good name on the road. Boise speaks for itself on the road. San Diego State's a good recent brand here at home. I think there's just enough meat on the bone to where if you just take care of business and you don't lose, that's a, that, that's a New Year's Six-worthy resume, knowing all the challenges that went into just reconfiguring the schedule, doing the best they could with what they were handed. I think there's enough there. Um, if you don't lose and you win the way you're scoring right now, you'll have you'll – gotten enough attention, made enough noise, and impressed enough people, I think, to be where you want to be. And Tom makes the point today, and it's valid, way too early to contemplate, way too early to consider New Year's Six stuff. But all that being said, if you ran your schedule the way it's comprised, you've got enough meat on the bone. What do you guys think? Uh, I completely agree. I mean, I I think it's not a number. I don't think you look at a schedule and say you have to have this number of, you know, P5 caliber teams to qualify or be considered for, you know, in this case, uh, I know this question came in and, and for a New Year's Six Bowl, but um, for me it's the it's what do you do with those, right? If you only get, you know, even just a Boise State, but you handle business like you have been and you do that against Boise State as well, then you're making, making a statement against quality opponents. And, and one thing to keep in mind too, I mean, Navy won 11 games last year. La Tech won 10 games last year. I mean, yes, these aren't. Um, I mean, maybe Troy, Tech, won, Troy won double digits in three of the last four years. Exactly. These are teams that know how to win games, and no matter who you're going against, I mean, you look at seasons past as well. Some of the BYU schedules, these uh, these teams uh, against you know Toledo's and your your games that would almost be considered kind of in this realm of competition that we have right now. They were close games a year ago. They were close games two years ago. And this is a completely different team in my mind. I mean, at least that's what they're showing in these first three weeks. And so, I mean, to answer the question, reiterate, I don't think you need another one. I think it's just take care of business with these games that we have. Um, and and I think it's going to speak for itself. 
Uh, there's, there's, you know, Tom's doing everything he can to bulk up that schedule uh, or to get these meaningful games uh, on the calendar. And at the end of the day, these players just, they're going to play the game that's in front of them. And, uh, and that's it. And, and whatever happens, happens. But they control what they can control. And that's coming out here and putting on dominant performances like they have been. And, I mean, they're already turning heads right now. And so I don't see any different if one more P5 caliber team doesn't get added to the schedule. I mean, I think you're in good shape right now. Quick question before I give my opinion: Did he, did Tom, give any updates on the Army game getting back on the schedule? Is that kind of? Dying? Yeah, he he said his quote was, uh, "We'd both like it to happen. Whether whether it does, time will tell." And he okay. he mentioned the health of both programs as you get later in the season. Um, so I I, I don't think. Which is is interesting it, to me because I'm it, like, it, well, it why not it, set a date? It can't, and yeah, then it, work can't, towards it can't be the early November. So it can't be the November 14th opening. It would have to be the 28th of uh, or the 5th. Those are the only two options. They played Army on the 12th. They have the 28th and 5th open. BYU has the 28th and 5th open right now. So those are the two dates you could squeeze it in. If it's going to get played, that's where it gets played. Yeah, it's interesting to me that they don't just announce a date and work towards it and yeah. do that. But I don't know all the logistics that goes into it. So, uh, um since we're past the we're past the midnight hour, it's twelve fourteen according to my iPhone. Um, I, I will say this is, and this has been the the brutal reality of of those that want everybody to get into conference is at the end of the day, we have to be invited. So um, that I my point to that is, I agree with all the things that you guys. If you win all your games and you win all your games in the right manner, it definitely puts you in the conversation. But I will just add this to everything that you've said. We have to start politics. Like, we're we're naive to think that um, just the play alone will get us into a New Year's Six. I think we're going we're gonna to have to, the powers that be should start calling in favors and politicking and not wait till it's too late. If we wait till selection, till bowl selection Sunday to start trying to work our way into New Year's Six. Be, and the only reason I say that is because if it has not become painfully apparent over the last five, six years in college football, it is all about big major brands and who can drive. And BYU, I, I think we, we are a very respectable brand and I think our brand is um, not given its due largely on the national stage. But because it's not given its due is the reason why we have to go to work for ourselves and, and kind of lobby our way into it if the team takes care of business on the field. But from a competition standpoint, based on what we've seen here and what I've seen in the small sample size of the other of the P5 schools in college football, yeah, I'd love to see this team against whoever a New Year's Six opponent could be. I think what's going to help BYU in the lobbying effort as much as anything is the networks BYU's playing on every week. They're an ESPN, ESPN2 team now every week out, and, and they're getting late-night slots with not a lot of competition. They're getting people talking about Zach Wilson, observers of the game that know the game. He's picking, 40, Stuart Mandel. He's picking up yeah. steam. I, I think BYU's now a conversation team for all of October. And, again, you know, fingers crossed you take care of business and don't stumble. That, that, that Boise game becomes – um, you know, by the uh, way, a stumble might even be an ugly win. Like, let's talk about the just blunt reality, and that is you can't beat Western Kentucky by 10. You've yeah. got to beat them by 20, 28. If you run it through October and you look good doing it, the Boise game becomes the de facto New Year's Six elimination game for the G5-type program. Again, BYU doesn't get the same G5 exception, but they would be in that conversation. Boise will be only two games into their season at that point. They're only going to play, I think, seven, eight games, right? BYU is going to play at least ten. 
So the fact that BYU has more games and more chances to impress um, will, I think, benefit the Cougars in the end, but it all goes to the blue turf suddenly. And and even though you have to win your games in October, and any slip would be, you know, lethal, um, that that would be a massive build-up game. And suddenly it's, 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 it's the most exciting, you know, non-P5 game you're going to get in the month of November, maybe since this whole thing, you know, changed to the New Year's Six uh, protocol. Wouldn't it be great to have to look forward to that? Be, no be amazing. We'll take a break. We'll uh, ask for more of your commentary. Coming up after this, you can tweet me at Greg Grubel. You can email us, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu, or you can use the uh, hashtag for the program, hashtag BYUCNN. That's for Cougar Nation Now, hashtag BYUCNN. Your commentary fuels our discussion. Greg and Riley and Mitch up in the broadcast booth here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU's a winner tonight, 45-14 over Louisiana Tech. And you've heard it all, and we continue our coverage on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Third straight game this season without a fan in the stands for BYU and its opponent. You know, it's funny when um, when the Navy game was set up, we were heading out there, and I, I always expected there to be somebody in the stands, um, the Corps of Midshipmen, someone. And then they said no one at all. I said, okay, well, I, I guess I get it. Uh, but I always expected that by the time we got back to Provo and, and started into the home schedule that, you know, somebody here and, of course, we now know that for at least the two games, there will be nobody here, and now it's up to the now it's the next chunk of home games. What will be um, the verdict and the adjudication and and the standards met? And gosh, I, I just hope that um, fans are welcomed in at some point soon. It just uh, it, it it means so much to them, to the players, to us, to hear and feel reactions, and we understand the realities are what they are. And 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 again, no one's being emotional or or, or complaining about it as in terms of injustice as much as. There's just that real hope that uh, football can feel truly like football again with uh, with supporters um, as part of the package. It's it, it's a it's a weird surreal feeling to you know have uh, an open an empty parking lot, uh, an empty elevator, uh, empty hallways and concourses, and you know we still put the same amount of energy and prep and love into our broadcast, and I hope it comes across the same way. And 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 we do a good job trying to pick up as much noise as possible to bring to you the audience, but that's the one ingredient missing. Um, and and ironically, it's in such a special start to the season that no one's able to enjoy it in person to this point with the boys, and we just hope that changes. Uh, welcome back to BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Uh, our good friend Val has checked in from uh, Hawaii, and his message tonight is not even a question. It's just a comment. He says, Chihu. Mahalo for the great broadcast, brothers. And so when, when Val gives you a mahalo from out there in uh, Mililani, Hawaii, we say mahalo back and aloha to you, Val. Um, we're staying up later than you are right now at this point. You've got a few hours on us, but good to have you staying up late with us. That's it. Uh, back to the uh, social media, hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. Uh, Chaplain Schumann reweighing in with a comment about Joe Tukawafu. Uh, Joe gets his first start at center tonight. He says, first start and no false starts from the O-line. No sacks allowed as well. He helped Zach complete a lot of passes by giving him time. He says, wow, kudos to Joe for going through a lot to be here and being prepared. And, yes, uh, Joe had quite the journey uh, from different schools to get to a place where he could contribute for BYU, and he showed out really well tonight. 
Yeah, and uh, it was Kalani who mentioned he he started at BYU as a tight end. Is that right? Uh, he got a start last year. Uh, in fact, he began. He started the Tennessee game at tight end last uh-huh. year. Yeah, yeah. That's that's quite the quite the move, but um, pretty impressive. I mean, as a center, especially a new center coming in, you're almost bound to see a bad snap. Uh, even just one may, it may not be a lot, but and BYU's um, a predominantly shotgun. It, right? Exactly, and I mean he played he played well all game. Um, what was really cool to hear is you know Zach talking about Joe in the post game, um, the preparation that he put in for this game, knowing that this may be uh, his game to play if James couldn't go. Um, he took every step uh, that he should have to get to get prepared for this game and. Um, and then stepped up and, and did it confidently, right? He didn't look timid out there. Is what you know? That's kind of the words that Zach used to describe how he played. He was he was ready. He was loose. He was, uh, which is what you need in players. And, and I'm sure it helps when everyone around you has that same vibe as well. So it just helps get uh, get um, you know you comfortable in that position. But um, yeah, props to him for for an incredible game, stepping in and filling in big shoes that you know James has. He has been one of, I mean, the best, hands-down best players uh, on this entire team. One of the most consistent forces that is just always, you know, day in, day out, game in, game out, just, um, you know, on his game. And so uh, great for him to, to get that start and uh, play so well. Just just happy for the guy. Yeah, another guy that, uh, you know, gets to, uh, you know, you can add another offensive lineman to BYU's uh, start accumulation and another guy with starting experience now. Uh, Riley, any thoughts on the O line before we move uh, move along? Just that, yeah. J- um, Grimes and Mateos give uh, the center the responsibility for calling out uh, or at least targeting the protections, and so for him to be able to pick that up as uh, where James Empey has dominated that position for the last couple seasons was really impressive. And then also, I think uh, credit to the four other guys who rallied around him. It takes it doesn't just take good leadership; it also takes response from the other guys who are you know taking those directives. So good on them. I will say this: the two holding penalties. I think if I know Mateos and Grimes at all, that might as well have been twenty. I, and, and you know, look, when you're playing this good, coaches got to find any juice to squeeze out to keep you motivated and keep you hungry, and not uh, feeling yourselves too much. So uh, I can't wait to see how the O line is going to respond because I bet they're going to uh, have a pretty tough week of practice. Denton Goodman says, maybe I missed this, but uh, your thoughts? He says to us on Tyler Algiers' touchdown being overturned. He says, I didn't see indisputable evidence to overturn. Uh, Riley, we all saw it enough times here in the booth. Mitch, you may have gotten a view down there. I know the guys felt confident about it being a touchdown. Uh, When it comes down to it, Riley, how did you see what they saw? Yeah, unfortunately, I think, like, it was as I looked at the foot strike, right, like, I think he was right up against the line. But because of the way of his momentum, and keep in mind, this was his right foot, so it's coming across his body, his right foot on the sideline that's on the left of his body. And so I think as the foot planted and he pushed off and his and there was kind of give in the cleat that it looked like his foot kind of spilled over into the line. Like if I were to if you were to look at the holes, the cleat marks that he made in the ground, I think those may have been on the grass, but due to the angle and the fact that um you know, as his feet were running, it's somewhat blurred. You couldn't get any green. Normally, that's the definitive thing: is you got to see some green between the white shoe and the white sideline, and there wasn't that in there. So, well, uh, I mean, it was close as can be. And like I said, I think if you look at the actual spike marks, they'd be in bounds. Uh, I just don't know that they could have left that call, let that stand. 
Uh, this is apropos of absolutely nothing, but just a, an observation I just made here in the booth. Without communicating with each other, all of us wore the same shoes tonight. All of us wear the very same shoes to the game. The, for all you sneakerheads out there, they are the 2018 Nike Air Prestos in royal blue. <laughs> they make me an inch and a half taller. They're very high-soled so, shoes yeah. and very spongy and very soft and very comfortable. They're great for a long night, either on the field or in the booth. I'll tell you that right now. Last week, we all wore the three same shirts without communicating with each other. Tonight, we go with the same pairs of shoes, and we've got a lot of options when it comes to shoes. And we all wore the three pair, three pair of shoes. We are, we are truly in sync as a broadcast trio. One quick thing I do want to just mention: we we're talking about that Tyler Algier run. Oh, you want to talk about real football? Okay, R- really, really quick though. Um, there, there's a video going around of Mason Wake's block on that Tyler Algier run. It, it's phenomenal. Okay. They got, I mean, it, unfortunately, yes, the the touchdown came back, but I guarantee you, in the film study. That's going to be played in front of the whole team over and over and over again, because uh, I mean, dude. Uh, it, it's he pummels the guy and buries <laughs> him in the ground. Um, y- you'll see it on Twitter. So, well, Mason buried a bunch of guys he, tonight. Well, I, I'm Mason Way. He's he's a player that I'm I'm very impressed with right now. Every aspect of the game, he's catching the ball, he's running the ball, he's um, he's blocking, he's doing everything, and uh, just a a fun secret weapon with this new, you know wave of mason weight coming in and um anyway shout out to a big block uh, on that play and um you'll you'll see it on twitter i'm uh, glad well, you guys are all joining the party where's number 13 it should does. have been obvious to you guys from the get-go <laughs> Good, uh, mason wake lone peak night and he got more air on his second hurdle of the season tonight as well so the mason wake play or plays gets a lot of press and uh carter wheat's catch happened early enough that it maybe isn't the top of mind what a grab for, for a guy to get his first touchdown catch uh, the way he got it, that was impressive. Great throw, by the way. But what a, what a, what a finish by Carter. Yeah, I had to look up on the roster. He's, I say, only six four. But like the way he got up and the extension that he got, I was expecting to him to see six six. And by the way, how much? Because the DB was able, the DB actually turned around and was able to get a jump up too. But he was, I mean, he was probably elbows above. Uh, the DB at high point in that football, I, uh, he must have really long arms for a dude who's 6'4", but he plays a lot bigger than that. Obviously showed great body control, too, as he was running down the field, stuck his foot in the ground, pivoted, turned back towards the quarterback, was able to jump up, high point the ball, and then maintain control through the ground. Uh, really impressive play there. Future's bright for those tight ends, mm. freshman tight ends. No, no well. Matt Bushman and all the tight ends the back are scoring touchdowns. Wake, Wheat, and Rex all have scores. With uh, Matt Bushman not a- not available this year, uh, seven players got rushes and seven players got catches tonight. Uh, Ryan Rico got his second punt of the game late in the game, so he's now up to four punts through three games. That's unacceptable. More than once a game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean he he doubled his usage, so <laughs> we just make sure he sees the goes to the training room tomorrow and gets treatment. It's gonna be a rough day. Uh, Ryan Rico I will enjoy. See- I think I think of his three punts, two have gone for fifty four. And, and he, fair and he, catches, by the way. That's not he's air, not getting the benefit of the ground. He's getting air yard fair catches at yeah. fifty plus. He's, he's, got a, he's got a leg. He stays loose on the sideline, though. You know, I, I obviously being on the sideline, I get to kind of see how these guys prep, and he's he's punting a lot of balls into the net, and um, you know that's that's kind of where he gets his practice. Because unfortunately, I mean, well, fortunately for the team, unfortunate for a, a punter, I guess he doesn't get to do yeah. it much on the field. Well, let's note that uh, the the. Special teams operational units have remained effective and efficient and perfect despite a change with Holder. 
Uh, Hayden Livingston got knocked out early in the game last week and didn't play tonight. So Ryan Rico's had to add Holder to his punter duties the last two weeks, and uh, things have gone well that way as well. All right, we should probably do this. Let's get the trivia question out there that will win somebody two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. It is time for the BYU Creamery Inside Scoop trivia question brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today, and here we go. Zach Wilson now has the top two single-game pass completion performances in Cougar football history. 18 for 18, 100% in the Potato Bowl 2018. And tonight, 92.3% on 24 for 26. Who has the next best single-game pass completion percentage? You don't, give us, you don't need to give us the percentage, just the name of the quarterback. So who has the next best single-game pass completion percentage after Zach Wilson's first and second place efforts? He has the top two. Who's number three is our question. You can give us the answer on the Twitter, and we've already got the answer. How, how about that? Wow, that was quick. That was really quick. So we're going we're gonna to keep you in suspense, give you the winner's name after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, so welcome back to LaBelle Edwards Stadium, Provo, Utah. Final segment of the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation Now program. Uh, a lot of answers came flying in on the Twitter and the email as soon as the question was it was was proffered. But uh, the, the, the question was barely out of my mouth when we got the uh, first correct answer in to... Uh, the Twitter machine, did they use the hashtag BYUCNN or just directly to me? I actually forget. But uh, I know it came directly to me. But either way, uh, Ryan Lundgren. And I, I, I sense that Ryan has won in years past. I'm not sure. I, I, it feels familiar to me. Either way, he's fast and he's smart and he's correct when he says that the answer to our skill testing trivia question tonight is Steve Sarkeesian. Because the question was, after Zach Wilson... 100% in the Potato Bowl two years ago, and 92.3% tonight. Who has the next best single-game pass completion percentage with a minimum of 15 attempts? And the answer was Steve Sarkeesian. And it was a 31-for-34 game in 1995. I remember that game. I was on the sideline, working the sidelines, and that was at the end of a season without a bowl. That game ended a lengthy bowl streak for BYU. And, and they finished 7-5, and five, which nowadays, of course, you'd be playing in a bowl because there were fewer bowls back then. You weren't an automatic. And so, uh, yeah, his last game of his junior season was a 31-for-34, 91.2% night, and BYU went nowhere after that game. Hmm. Yeah. Those were the days where seven wins wouldn't put you in a bowl automatically. But uh, that was the game that uh, became his springboard for a tremendous, tremendous 1996 season when BYU went 14-1. That 1996 team, by the way, is the last team to have scored 45 points or more in four consecutive games. BYU has a chance to do that next week. They've scored 45 or more in three straight games for the first time since 2001. That was a great team. Will BYU put itself in the pantheon of great teams that's the question now as this thing gets to uh, undefeated week by week and now at 3-0 and counting. All right, 
congratulations to the winner, Ryan, of our two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. Thank you for everyone else who threw an answer at us, whether on Twitter or on or on the email. Uh, there, there's always next week, and and the ice cream always stays cold because they bring they, they send it to you in a in a in a, a cooled box. Yeah, with the uh, what's frozen, with the dry ice. What, yeah, what's frozen CO two dry ice. Yeah, uh, UTSA two F. Uh, FBS opponents, 48 points, 35 to uh, Texas State, and 35 points to Middle Tennessee. So getting uh, four straight of 45. That was a cutoff. Was it 40 points or 45 points? Uh, well, uh, 45. Yeah, 45. 45. I mean, it's looking pretty encouraging. That one, the 48 to Texas State was 2 OT. And then they played Stephen, Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin, they kept but, the 10 points. But that's, uh, that's, that's FCS, FCS team. So. Yeah. Anyway, but there are there are points to be gained against uh, UTSA. Crazy that uh, their 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 blue and orange color scheme is pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, they got some unique combinations. I'll be curious to see what they choose to wear when they come here, and they, they will the, come here. Yeah, against Texas State, they wore the all whites. I wonder if they'll do that again. But uh, still, Roadrunner, that's a unique little mascot they got out there. Last week's offensive coordinator Ryan Pugh came from BYU. But before BYU, he was at UTSA mm. as the O-line coach. He's gone UTSA, BYU, Troy for his career path. And BYU will go Troy, La Tech, UTSA for its game schedule path in weeks 2, 3, and 4 or games 2, 3, and 4. All right, 3-0 and o Cougs. Check the polls out Sunday, and we'll see where they end up uh, for next week's home meeting with the Roadrunners of UTSA. University of Texas at San Antonio. Do your scouting tomorrow. They play UAB. You already mentioned that, Greg. So that's a 10:30 Mountain Time game. I don't know. Yep. Uh, it might be an ESPN three thing. Yeah, thing I can find there. Uh, uh, man, I'm on ESPN's app, and it's not even pumping an ESPN three. So it might you might just have to follow the GameCast. Which but I can, which I can do. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say for our listeners out there who've stuck with us all the way, uh, I know they're down. That doesn't scare them. So. Let me uh, let me just check one thing before we book out of here. I just want to see what the uh, what the what the option is for tomorrow's game from a media standpoint. See what kind of network it lists here. Uh, UAB, mm, yeah, it's on Stadium, so that's an online. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Stadiums. Uh, it all depends and... on whether you've got the state whether it's going to be a a, a four pay per view stadium or a free stadium. Either way, it'll be on Stadium. And you can find that online. That's uh, UTSA and UAB at 10.30 Mountain Time tomorrow. And uh, a former winner, Stephen Vincent, when I talk about a winner, I talk about an ice cream winner, checked in just to say he's vouching for the ice cream is always cold. He said it arrived in Phoenix for me, still frozen and delicious. That is the ultimate test. Yeah, Great with- job, BYU Creamery. And that is the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation Now program for tonight. Mitch, did you have anything you wanted to throw in there? No, I was going to say which month of in, in Phoenix because uh, <laughs> August is different than – I mean, I guess Phoenix, it's always hot. I was going to say. It's always hot. Of winter, January, February, <laughs> you're right, when when the highs dip down into the cool, cool high 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Let's thank our crew back at BYU Radio. Bryce Larson was our broadcast intern. Jason Shepard is our studio host. Terry South is our coordinating producer. Liam Howard and Cole Wissing are our control board operators. Barry Squires and Sean Fay are, are, are our in-house engineers here at LaBelle Edwards Stadium. Michael Wimmer is our chief engineer for the broadcast. Tyler Gibb, intern Tyler, 
was both an engineering assistant and a spotter tonight. And again, another intern who just knocks the spotting boards out of the park tonight. Great job spotting from intern Tyler. Good to have him with us in the booth. Uh, um, learning and growing. You know, it's all about the kids. And we give the kids opportunities to learn and grow in this business. Just like Kalani does with all the talent he recruits out, you got to develop it. Yeah. We go to our bench. We bring in the interns. And we trust them. They deliver. They do. They really do. So great job by intern Tyler. Uh, our thanks to the BYU Athletic Communications crew. So many to mention. Duff Tittle, Brett Pine, Kenny Cox, Jordan Christiansen, Kenny Cox, Jenny Wheeler, uh, Ari as well. Um, helping us out, uh, Ari Davis. Uh, just a tremendous work by all those people uh, helping us do what we do. Appreciation to Law Tech and their fine media relations folks as well. And then it comes to the uh, the guys with the headsets on. And oh, I cannot forget Ralph Sokolowski. Ralph was also in the booth tonight uh, giving us great stat help. Uh, we don't have Ralph on the road this year, but it's sure nice to have him here at home uh, giving us his expertise and knowledge. So thanks as well to Ralph Sokolowski. And that does bring us to the headset, guys. So the guy to my far left is... Riley Nelson. The guy to my near left is... Mitchell Jurgens. And my name is Greg Rubel. Thanking you for tuning in. BYU is a winner over Louisiana Tech by a score of 45-14. to 14. So in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Provo, Utah. You've been listening to live coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, Mountain America, guiding members forward for more than 80 years. Smith's Food and Drug. Smith's now has grocery pickup and online delivery to save you time. Also by Zions Bank. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. BYU Football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Kevin Worthen, Vice President Keith Vorkink, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and Associate Athletic Director of Corporate Sponsorship Casey Stoffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.